Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Fight Against COVID-19, What's Really Going On? A CGTN radio podcast that brings you everything you need to know about the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm De Hongyu. In this edition, we'll look at China's interpretation of its latest pandemic response, as well as its preparedness to welcome more overseas visitors from international perspectives. A health official has described evolving pandemic situation over the past three years as a major reason behind China's efforts to refine its COVID-19 response. Now the focus of our anti-pandemic work has shifted from prevention and control to medical treatment. We will ensure a steady and orderly transition of the anti-pandemic measures. In face of the pandemic, we pay greater attention to people's difficulties and needs, enhancing protection of vulnerable groups of the population, and improving the treatment capacity and ability. We will consolidate our defense line of curbing the pandemic, stabilizing the economy, and ensuring safe development. National Health Commission spokesperson Mi Feng made the remarks at a press conference in Beijing. Over 30 ambassadors and other senior diplomats from more than 130 other countries attended the conference. China has issued a new guideline for COVID-19 prevention and control, stressing vaccination and personal protection. It also downgrades the management of the disease from Category A to Category B. The new guideline says the public, especially the elderly, is encouraged to get vaccinations and booster shots. China will no longer trace close contacts or determine high- and low-risk areas. The guideline says every citizen is the first responsible person for their own health, and mass testing will be cancelled. The focus of prevention and control will be put on key industries in rural areas, and China will continue to monitor virus mutations. Ambassadors to China have welcomed the lifting of restrictions over COVID-19. They also expressed their support for new pandemic control measures taken by the Chinese government. We highly value China's solidarity, not only with Algeria, but also with all developing countries, as well as the vaccines delivered to these countries. It is precisely because of these vaccines that the people of these countries have been able to avoid the harm of this epidemic. All countries in contact with China in medical cooperation highly appreciate China's efforts not only to protect protect its own people, but also to safeguard the health of people around the world. It is really beneficial not only to students, economic operators, traders, investors from China and Guinea, but also to the growing trade with China. Meanwhile, Chinese authorities say foreign companies have been encouraged by the country's efforts to optimize its COVID-19 response and are seeking new opportunities to invest in China. According to the Chinese Commerce Ministry, many foreign companies say the new measures have assured them of their business expectations in China. The ministry also says it will continue to expand market access for foreign firms and step up the protection of their legitimate rights and interests. A researcher at Columbia University in New York City says China's optimized pandemic strategy is an approach to minimize harms and costs while balancing all relevant factors. Jeff Schlegelmelsch is director of the National Center for Disaster Preparedness of Columbia University's Earth Institute. He says China is trying to come up with a solution that is acceptable within the population. 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not really a do no harm scenario. It's which approach is going to cause less harm than the other countries are around the world. And, and China in particular is trying to balance this, right? What is the, the, the measured approach to preventing infection and keeping it at a level that is manageable within the healthcare system that is acceptable within the population um, with a dynamic that's changing with new variants, with new countermeasures? This opinion is echoed by Chen Shi, Associate Professor of Health Policy and Economics at Yale University. He believes that the policy shift was made to better allocate medical resources. The shift of the policy is towards giving more resources for protecting especially those vulnerable population or their population to flatten the curve. So I think that's the most important thing. So I think that uh, there's a shift in the policy focus. China has so far released 10 official versions of its COVID-19 diagnosis and treatment protocols. China is taking out more pandemic restrictions for international passenger travel to resume flight operations. Starting from January the 8th, international passenger flights bound for Beijing will no longer have to enter through previously designated first points of entry. Inbound travelers will no longer need to quarantine, but will still have to show a negative COVID-19 test taken within 48 hours of departure. More travel restrictions between the Chinese mainland, Hong Kong and Macau will also be lifted. Richard Kimber reports from Hong Kong. Rallying for a recovery. Hong Kong's Travel Agent Owners Association has been organizing big gatherings this week to share ideas for how to make the most of a long-awaited comeback for cross-border tourism. This is uh, good news and a hope for all the uh, business sector. From Sunday, travelers will be able to cross the border in both directions without quarantine and only need to take a test before they depart. Initially, there'll be daily quotas in place to smooth the transition and reduce the risk of a COVID-19 outbreak. For travel companies, it's a chance to leave the tough times behind them. Devastating is one word, devastating. And um, many agents have closed, many inbound, outbound agents. We are one of the ones who luckily is still here and will be here, uh, but it has been devastating. Three years is a very long time. We have been living off our savings in the past three years while still paying for rent and our operating license, even with zero income. It's not only tourism operators relishing a rebound. The government says the Hong Kong economy likely shrank more than 3% last year. It's launching a range of initiatives to turn things around in 2023. Industry experts say the border reopening with the Chinese mainland can also rejuvenate Hong Kong's longer-term international appeal. It will stimulate the tourism industry, uh, which actually will further attract uh, tourism from other source markets as well. With the Lunar New Year holidays just weeks away, there are hopes on both sides of the border that the start of 2023 can be a cause for celebration. That was Richard Kimber reporting. The National Health Commission says China's medical system is well prepared for dealing with possible surge in cases of COVID-19 during the ongoing Spring Festival travel rush. The 40-day travel rush is expected to see close to 2.1 billion passenger trips this year, up nearly 100 percent from the 2022 level. Bijan reports from a major railway station in Beijing. Here I'm at the Beijing Nan Railway Station, and it's been very busy since this morning. Uh, the world's largest human migration just started. This year, uh, the passenger trips are expected to increase around 99.5 percent over 2022, reaching to around uh, 2.1 billion, according to China's Ministry of Transport. And given China's optimization of the COVID-19 pandemic measures, the demand for cross-province uh, travel is surging. A lot 
lot of people here are very happy and they are excited about getting on the、uh, trains and to go back to hometowns to visit their family members and friends. And also, the Beijing Railway Station expects a total number of around 3.2 million within the 40 days as the travel rush、uh, started from today, which is January the 7th to February the 15th,、uh, lasting for around 40 days. And uh, uh, given the uncertainties and risks brought by the pandemic, the station also set a bunch of measures to help the travelers lower the risk of infections, such as distributing the free masks and、uh, setting passage for the people who are in special need, and also conducting regular disinfections.、Uh, and also,、uh, you know, the travel rush will last for around one month, and so、uh, the station will also set a lot of different measures to help the people to lower the infection risk and help them to、uh, if improve the effectiveness. Of the travel. Additionally,、uh, other risks,、uh, safety risks like the lower temperature,、uh, cold waves, and freezing,、uh, also、uh, will also be considered by the management. I just told to them, and they told me that they've set the highest standards to guarantee the travel rush here during the holiday, and also they've sent a bunch of measures to tackle the issues like the、uh, safety risks and the pandemic risks. That was Biran reporting. With the Spring Festival approaching, China has ramped up efforts to implement triaged medical protocols in rural areas to treat COVID-19 patients. From villages to townships to counties, healthcare institutions at each level have their own responsibilities to shoulder. Huang Yue visited some rural medical facilities in Baoji in northwest China to learn more. The Spring Festival travel rush kicks off, and this year, about two billion passenger trips are expected to be seen during this period, up 99.5 percent from the 2022 level, which is quite understandable because, after all, it's been three years. In the past three years, the government surely encouraged people to stay put during holidays. So, to many people, perhaps they haven't come back home to celebrate this, what we Chinese people regard as the most important traditional festival with their families. So, definitely, this year there will be more. People coming back to their hometown, but the reality is the country is still struggling with treating the COVID infections, and the cross-region travel、uh, could pose challenges in the epidemic control, especially in、uh, less developed regions and rural areas. Take this place where I am at right now; it's Baoji City in northwest China's Shanxi Province. So, unlike Beijing, Shanghai, or、uh, Shanxi's provincial capital Xi'an,、uh, healthcare and medical resources here are relatively limited. And behind me is the Emergency Medical Center of the city. This morning alone, from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., it has already dispatched ambulances for over 40 times to pick up patients and send them to the nearest hospitals. And the phone has kept ringing this whole morning. And、uh, actually, like we mentioned, the pressures are even greater in rural areas. And、uh, yesterday, I visited the rural area of the city, and、uh, it has implemented a three-tier triage、uh, treatment protocols.、Uh, And、uh, for example, from the villages to the townships to the counties,、uh, medical institutions at each level have their own responsibilities to shoulder. I visited a, a village clinic yesterday where there are only two doctors, but it provides health services to、uh, over 2,000 villagers there. Of course,、uh, since late December, they have、uh, faced with a surge in number of、uh, feverish patients. But what you can do is to prescribe some、uh, medication like ibuprofen or coffee medication. 
location to those with mild symptoms. Uh, patients with severe symptoms need to go to the township health center where they can be hospitalized if it's necessary. And the township health center has some uh, ECG monitors, uh, but medical staff there are not capable of doing more complicated procedures like intubation or tracheostomy. So if the patients uh, get worse, they will be immediately transferred to the county hospital via Green Channel. And of course, the county hospital has tried their best to expand the capacity by adding more beds from 550 to 750. They've also uh, purchased more pieces of equipment, including both invasive and non-invasive ventilators and other equipment. And they've also purchased uh, uh, more medication, enough for three months, including antivirus drugs like Paxlovid. And actually, local medical workers told me they feel that the peak of uh, feverish patients has already passed, but the major task now is to race against time to save the lives of the critically ill patients. Actually, earlier, China has already rolled out guidelines to ramp up uh, COVID control measures in rural areas. The guidelines highlight the need to protect both the elderly and children, and it has also required that 90% of clinics at grassroots uh, medical clinics to equip themselves with a fever facility by March this year. That was Huang Yue reporting. One of the most prestigious medical institutions in China has set up a new department to treat critically ill COVID-19 patients. The Peking Uni Medical College Hospital says that because underlying conditions can complicate treatment, it's bringing doctors from several internal medicine departments into what it calls a collaborative department. Lucere sat down with the head of the department to learn more. What was the biggest challenge for you in the past three weeks? As we know that the wave of the COVID-19 of Beijing actually came in mid-December, and that's also the time most of the medical staff, including nurses and doctors, got infected. So our department was set, uh, was set up in December the 11th. And about one week later, in the weekends of December the 16th to 17th, around that period, uh, that is a really tough time point. Actually, the internal medicine department has sent us about 12 residents to care for the patients. At the most hardest time, 10 of them have been infected and are on sick leave. Most difficult time, we have only two residents working in the department. I will also do some work for them to help them. On the one, well, on the one hand, the internal medicine department tried a lot to send me more residents. At the same time, because we have an affiliated medical school, so I actually tried to recruit some of the medical students who have been recovered from their COVID-19 and if they are willing to help. Fortunately, the time, that's only about four to five days. And after that, all the infected residents began gradually to recover and returned back to work. You fought against COVID-19 in 2020 in Wuhan, and you must have seen numerous severe cases because you worked on the front line. And it's widely understood now the Omicron variant is less deadly than the original version of the virus. And yet we are still experiencing this peak of infection and peak for uh, severe cases. So how do you compare the situation now and the situation in Wuhan, and should we be worried about the crisis coming back again? Generally speaking, the virulence of Omicron has decreased a lot from the primary virus uh, in 2020 in Wuhan. But when the patients have come in a very late stage, especially they need uh, respiratory support at a critical stage, 
the treatment actually, uh, the prognosis actually will not differ too much. But one of the best things we have learned a lot about how to deal with this disease. In 2019 or 2020, when we faced with, we are forced to face with COVID-19 at that time, we actually don't know what kind of measures will help these patients. But right now, after three years, a lot of clinical trials have done over the world and a lot of evidences have been produced, developed. So now we are very clear what's the stage the patient are in and what kind of measures will help them most in their stage. And that will help us to deal with these situations right now in 2022 or even 2023 much, much better than in Wuhan. That was Lucy Ray speaking to a doctor with the Peking Union Medical College Hospital. With that, we end this episode of the fight against COVID-19 and what's really going on. Subscribe to our podcast for another episode filled with facts, stories, and opinions concerning the global battle against the novel coronavirus. For more detailed stories about the pandemic, visit radio.cgtn.com or listen to our current affairs program, The Beijing Hour, online. Drop us a line on our podcast so we can provide you with even more content that interests you. I'm Do Hongyu. Thanks for listening.